0: This is the Daily Signal podcast for Monday, October 25th. I'm Rob Bluey.
1: And I'm Virginia Allen. Former White House press secretary and current Newsmax host Sean Spicer joins Rob on the show today to discuss his new book, Radical Nation, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's Dangerous Plan for America.
0: We also read your letters to the editor and share a good news story about two best friends who have journeyed through the highs and lows of life together for over 80 years.
1: Before we get to today's show, we want to tell you about the only annual non-governmental assessment of U.S. military power, the Heritage Foundation's 2022 Index of Military Strength.
0: The index provides both government officials and the public with the facts about our military, such as the ease or difficulty of operating in key regions, the presence of U.S. military forces, and the condition of key infrastructure.
1: To learn more about the just-released 2022 Index of Military Strength, you can visit heritage.org military.
0: Now stay tuned for today's show, coming up next. We are joined in the Daily Signal podcast today by Sean Spicer. He's the host of Spicer and Company on Newsmax in the 6 p.m. hour. And he's the author of the new book, Radical Nation. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's Dangerous Plan for America. Sean, it is an honor to have oh, you on the Daily Signal you. podcast. Good to see you, Rob. Thank yeah, it's great me. to see you. This is your third book. I know. Crazy. Uh, so you're a New York Times selling <laughs> uh, author <yeah>. now. <laughs> Two things I never thought would happen. <laughs> that's right. Well, let's, let's delve into it because yeah. you write in the book that the Biden-Harris agenda would radically transform America.
2: Yeah, but the thing that's interesting, Rob, is that that's not— uh, that may be the name of the book, but those are what they said, and this is what I think is overlooked in this administration: is they they've told us so much of what they want to do, and I think for a lot of reasons, which made sense, that people sort of said like, oh, well, we've known Biden for a long time. That's that's you know that's not going to happen. You know, Republicans and Democrats have both said we've known him. He's been in you know D.C. for half a century. Um, But when Joe Biden said, I'm going to be the most progressive president ever, I don't think people took him seriously. And you look at what's been going on in Washington. He consistently sides with the the far left. He's putting more and more people from the far left into his cabinet. So – I don't look at this as some kind of like incendiary thing. This is literally what he said he's going to do. In fact, he doubled down the other day when he talked about his legislation, right? He said, if we pass my two things, the 1.2 and the 3.5, we will fundamentally change the structure and nature of the economy. That's not me. That's him. He's telling us what he wants to do. But for some reason, folks in the media, folks on the left, and some folks uh, on the right on Capitol Hill don't believe that.
0: What was the biggest thing in doing the research for the book that you discovered about Biden or the issues or the people that he surrounded himself with?
2: I think all of the above. I mean, yeah. it was funny because— for the aforementioned reasons, I thought, OK, I've been in D.C. for a while. Uh, I've known Joe Biden. I've, I mean, I'm not. But I, I started doing research. It uh, was my first job on Capitol Hill for the NRSC, the National Republican Senatorial Committee, doing research on senators. So I thought, OK, I know these guys. It's been a while, but I've seen him around. He was vice president. When you start looking at one of the chapters in the book is called Biden, Inc., you look at his brother Frank. And, the, and we all know about Hunter. When you start looking at some of the business deals that were conducted early on in his um in his career and that his family glommed onto, uh it, it starts to go, wow, this isn't just a, a new phenomenon. That's happened. Then you start to look at the people that he's surrounded with in the White House, in his cabinet. Same thing. Some of their backgrounds was just you're going, There's no way. Like there's how did we not how did we not have the discussion in terms of the qualifications or lack thereof that some of these people have had to serve in government? Uh, and then the last thing is just some of the policies. We were having this discussion on my show probably a month ago. It was about abortion. And we were talking about Biden's position because he was coming out and saying that some of these Texas laws were over the top. And I said, gosh, I, there's something at the top of my tongue and I can't remember what it is, but, you know, I swear Biden said And I was like, wait a second, it's my book. And I went back, and there's a chapter about his evolution of life, if you will. He used to be a fairly pro-life guy, and he actually defended it very openly, talking about the fact that he believed that life began at conception. But no one in the media, literally on my show that night, I'm pulling out an excerpt from my own book saying, this is what he said to a Catholic newspaper, life begins at conception. And now he mocks people who believe that.
0: Yeah. I mean, you've worked in Republican politics for a long time, as you yeah. as you mentioned, uh, certainly with Donald Trump or George W. Bush or you, you name any Republican. I mean, there is a deep dive that the the news media usually takes to vet that candidate.
2: Well, I was Joe Biden. No, didn't no, go- but, but see, this is where I'll disagree. I disagree. I've spent two cycles, six years at the RNC where, where I part of what I did was oversee the research department. I worked at the research division of the, the National Republican Sen- Senatorial Committee. The, it is those operatives that give it to the media. The media rarely does anything but accept it, right? So an investigative reporter at ABC News is someone who talks to opposition researchers, takes it and puts it on air. Good they point. rarely <laughs> do their own work. But to your point, I think that there was this belief that we know everything we know about Joe Biden. He's a known factor. Therefore, I mean, think about it. But by the way, what happened though last last year, there was a story about Hunter Biden. And the New York Post blew it out and everybody canceled it, censored it. So when we did find out new things about Joe Biden, it was big tech and big media that said, we're not going to allow you to hear that story. So so part of it is that there is a suppression – and, and when you read, you know, whether it's – I mentioned Dennis McDonough in the book, his lack of a qualifications to lead the VA. Pete Buttigieg, his qualifications or lack thereof to, to lead the Department of Transportation. Some of the people – I mean think about this. Why is Susan Rice, Ambassador Susan Rice, who is the national security advisor, all of her background is in foreign policy and national security. And yet they named her the domestic policy, right, because they had nowhere else to put her. She can't get Senate confirmed, so they give her a job in the White House that's not really her wheelhouse, but we have to find somewhere to put her. But that's what's going on in this White House. And when you look at it and you read the stuff, you go, that doesn't make any sense. Then you get it.
0: And and you talk about how the White House has gone after some conservatives, yourself yeah. included, for your service on, on the Military Academy board uh, as – citing qualifications when right. they themselves right. don't but, have but, the qualifications.
2: Exactly. Think about this. So you've got someone like, and again, I'll give a little bit of a pass to Hunter Biden in the sense that he wasn't a government employee, right? So you can't, but what qualifications did he have to, to serve on the board of Burmese, more of these other energy things, but then go inside a government. How does Dennis McDonough get qualified to be the secretary of veterans affairs without ever serving the military, ever working with veterans groups, no background in health care, no background in mortgage lending. I mean, the two big things that the VA does. And yet- He's leading the VA because, oh, well, he was Obama's chief of staff. We need to find a place for him. Um, You look at Kamala Harris's background, which I have a whole chapter in here. People need to understand who this person is that's vice president and potentially, you know, God forbid something happens to our president. She becomes president. You better know who she is because when you read about her history in California, who she prosecuted, some of the things that she was against and for. I mean the the level of flip-flop and hypocrisy is astronomical. Uh,
0: Sean, I, I shifting a little bit from the the personalities and the politicians to some of the issues. Uh, per, I want to start with the economy because okay. you served in the Trump administration as a, as a White House press secretary, and you were part of a team that built just a roaring economy, uh, deregulation, tax cuts. I mean, all of those great things that happened under President Trump's watch. And here you have what really seems to be a conflict and and between big government socialism from Biden Harris. And the future of free market capitalism, if there's going to be such a thing, what is really at stake here? But but you just put your finger on on the name of the book, right? This
2: is a radical, radical plan to change our nation. And and I don't think people fully appreciate that, again, because we've been given all of these – stories and anecdotes and imagery of who joe biden is the reality is they get it he wants a legacy and the legacy is to alter the course of this country to become the most progressive president ever keep in mind their ultimate goal is power and the power allows them to implement the policies because whether it's immigration make no mistake about it if you want to stop immigration in this country you can do it in a second trump showed us how to do it title 42 remain in mexico etc they undid it the only reason why is to bring new people in. They've already started talking about DACA for Afghans. You know, I mean get with the if, – if our side doesn't get it, every time a conservative says Kamala Harris isn't doing her job at the border, I laugh and I go, yes, she is. It just depends on how you view her job. Her job is to create new voters. Why do they want to pack the court? Why do they want to make D.C. a state? All of this is in pursuit of an ultimate power grab to ensure that they can put all those policies in place.
0: And one of those other issues is election reform. And they have they have H.R. 1 for the people misnamed for the people act and and all sorts of other things that uh, that they would like to accomplish. Newsmax and, and your show has been one of the outlets that fortunately is out there providing the truth about what's really going on yeah. in our country. Uh, what is at stake when it comes to our elections? Everything. And, and I
2: will say this. Heritage has an uh, it's, it's an enormous resource. Uh, the Election Center that's on the web. I mean, it, when people tell you fraud doesn't exist, go to the Heritage homepage and look at it. It exists. And, and the work that Hans and so many of the people here do. To highlight it because the media doesn't want to tell you about it. But just this, you know, the the, the last few days, you see all of these stories about Republicans and folks on the right want to make it harder to vote. That's not it, it is the biggest, biggest misnomer going during a pandemic. We allowed people to do things, including work from home. And if your employer says that you need to come back to work, that doesn't mean that you're suppressing them. That means this is how it was. So not allowing people to drive through and drop off their ballot in the middle of the night to ballot harvest ballots, everything that the left is doing. Why don't you need an ID? Again, it doesn't make common sense unless there's an ultimate goal at hand. And I believe that anybody who doesn't believe that the Democrats know what they're doing is is sadly mistaken.
0: Uh, you mentioned immigration before, border security. Uh- It's one of the, as you indicated, one of the success stories of the Trump administration being able to put in place not only new policies to to help control the flow, but also building the wall. We've seen the Biden administration go in a completely opposite direction, now have manufactured a crisis that didn't exist before. How do you see this ending? I don't. I mean, look, here's the problem. When
2: you tell people, I mean, look, you signal through your policies. Day one, Trump came in, said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to build a wall. I'm going to make it hard. People stop coming. Because they, why bother making the trek? It's not easy. I, I mean, I, I, I feel for some of these folks that they get bought into this. But when the Biden administration in, on the one hand says don't come and on the other hand winks and nods and says, but don't worry if you come, we're going to let you in. We'll give you a blanket, a hotel room and all these nice goodies. What do you think they're going to do? And the reality is that the Biden administration has created an environment where people are rewarded for coming to this country. Um and so – and again, I think that they, they, they want this to happen. There's an, there's an easy way to stop it. They know how to do it and they've chosen not to. But I, I think that people – again, if you look back at the numbers, we're talking tens of thousands uh, of people. Right now in the month of October, they're estimating 350,000 people illegally crossing our border. 350,000. Think about that. You do it two more times, you got Delaware, you know, Rhode Island, Montana, Wyoming. I mean this is real stuff. And, you know, couple that with everything else that's going on in the country, it's the problem that I have with so many of the policies, including immigration, is that if you don't stop them when they're happening, by the time you wake up. It's too late. So in ten years from now, I guarantee it. Play this podcast back then. We will be talking about DACA and a path to citizenship for every single person who came in now because quote it's not fair. Yeah, that's what they're going to say. Once you're in the country, actually, you've been in here for five years. You know, you came in through quote no fault of your own, and now we need to give you citizenship.
0: Yeah, it it is. It is true the the numbers that you mentioned are truly staggering and and unprecedented in in many cases. One last issue I want to ask you about, and that is the big Supreme Court case coming up on December 1st. The Dobbs case, Uh, this, you know, could hold the future of Roe v. Wade in the balance. Uh, One of the things that President Trump was enormously successful at was appointing judges to the bench, including the Supreme Court. Any thoughts on, on what we are headed for? Obviously, we probably have to wait until June of, of 2022 for a decision. Right. But what is the outlook for, on well, this?
2: Well, so first of all, let me just say that aside from watching or being obsessed with, like, law and order, I have no legal training. So um, so I don't—the particulars of the case are, are, I think, always where it goes. And if you look at the court— over history, it sometimes will take a very narrow view. So, how it looks at this, yes, we have, in theory, a 6-3 majority. But I think how it looks at this is going to be important. The thing that I think is on our side is science. So, more and more, we're seeing the viability of life. And as these states start saying, you know, 14 weeks, 16 weeks, 20 weeks, in various scenarios, it becomes harder to say that we don't, as a country, have a need to protect life. So, I think that's what's going to happen. And again, it depends on where the court comes down on this in terms of how narrow does it look at it. But I believe that remember and the other thing is that Roe basically um, doesn't mean that abortion is outlawed again. It just means it goes back to the states where, frankly, you know, as a country, we should be having more. Discussion of, of policy at the state level, um, and if that's what makes people move, great, right? So lower taxes, better schools. I mean, all of these things get factored into why people move to a place. Absolutely, and um, and so if you want to live in a blue state that allows you to do more stuff, then then so be it. But I think that um, in states that want to protect life and stand up for it, that's great. But I I I think there is a lot at stake uh, because. When you look at – I think Roe was wrongly decided in the first place. When you look at the regret that occurred out of that case, um, this could right a wrong. And again, it's not outlawing anything. It's just allowing states to then have a say, which they frankly should be from the beginning. But I I think that this is going to be beyond the policy piece. What's going to fascinate me as a political junkie? Is the political implications? I think that the left actually looks at this as a huge win for them. That if they can start to campaign on this, that that's a big thing. I think there are some Republicans that are scared of having to address this. Um, and frankly, I part of me thinks, great, good for you. You should, you know, it, it's it's like when we dealt with health care. Um, everyone said we want to get rid of Obamacare until we had to get rid of Obamacare. Then you had to, you know, you had to really stand up and figure out whether you're going to fight. I think that Republicans and and folks on the right should be willing to fight for this, Um, and I'm hoping that the court comes down on that. The the beautiful thing is when you've got 6-3, you can actually – you don't have to get all six, right? I mean you can get – you could go to a 5-4, and I think that Amy Coney Barrett and Kavanaugh in particular are are, are two justices that I think based on their previous judicial – writings and case law, I, I can see them going down. I, Gorsuch, I'm, I'm, I'm just not as familiar with, although I, I, we could see that one. You could end up with a 6-3, but I, I feel very good about going to this case, um, and, and I think that there's going to be more. I mean, you're looking at—you've you know, you've got Mississippi, Arkansas, and potentially Texas. So if the court doesn't hit it at one point, I think by the time they're done with all three— I think you're going to you, you'll, you'll have an answer. It may just take a little longer than we wanted.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's certainly something that we will be watching closely. But again, I, I will just say this, Rob, because you, you, you mentioned this,
2: that, that when you do look at you, a, a guy like Biden who goes in there and starts talking about, you know, how he's such a champion of this. That's not where he was when you and, and for folks on the right. The one thing that I'll, I'll say is important about the book. When we fight on the right, the facts are on our side, the policies are on our side. We just need to make those arguments more um, crisper, more consistent. And the thing is if you can walk in and say really because here's what Joe Biden said. Here's what he believes. Here's how he's articulated that. What they want to do is the left wins when we don't have our facts together, when we don't articulate our side as well as we can. And I think that the beautiful thing about – when i when i wrote radical nation was that i gave people a roadmap and said
0: if you want to fight and win then here you go yeah well and i the other thing sean i'll point out is i think americans are craving for a place where they can get that information And your show uh spicer and company uh, 6 p.m on newsmax is is a place to do that i mean that's one of the reasons why we created the daily signal we wanted to create an alternative you
2: look at that you look at you know i i've Mentioned to you earlier that you know we had we didn't have the biggest audience when we first launched, and I'm sure you guys didn't at the Daily Signal. But as people find out about it, it's the word of mouth. People more than anything, we don't do a ton of you know advertising at Newsmax. I don't think you guys do at Heritage. So it's word of mouth. When people say, you know what, I just heard this great episode. You should tune in. That's where I think it's amazing because it truly is you know person to person you know whether it's through social media and email or personal contact whether saying you got to watch this that's what's cool about this is knowing that I don't have the ad budget or the network doesn't of of a CNN or an ABC but we're growing because we've we've we found something that people want
0: yeah and and you, you you've overtaken Fox Business and and oh, CNBC yeah. what do you attribute the the success to is it is it your approach to the news and well, how you Well I think there's
2: you... two things I mean one like look I think the network Newsmax has done a lot in terms of making itself accessible. You don't need a cable subscription to go find it. Um, two is that I think we do have the hosts and we cover the issues that, that other people don't. And then, you know, with respect to my show in particular and why I think it's done as well as it has is because of how we cover issues and who we cover them with. I like to tell people every night at six o'clock, we're going to have the conversation that I think you would probably have at dinner, and we're going to ask. The questions to the people that you would say, you know who I'd love to ask the question, obviously, you know, but government leaders, we do have journalists on. I even have Democrats on. And I think sometimes the audience gets a little frustrated. But part of me is that if you're sitting at home saying, how can that left wing guy say this? Well, I'm going to ask the question for you because I want to hear how they justify it. And I think that's important because our side needs to understand what they're thinking and therefore how we can articulate arguments that, that outdo them. So. Part of this is to is to have a conversation with people. We don't yell at people. We're not into the you know going off and rants and stuff. But you'll if you tune in at six o'clock, you'll I think you'll learn something. You'll find it entertaining. We have fun. Um, We have some pretty interesting guests from time to time, and we cover stuff sometimes. We did a whole show with Matt Gates on Free Brittany, and it was just but it was fascinating to hear why a South Florida congressman or you know probably more of a central congressman Florida um, cared about the issue. And it was interesting to have that discussion. You know, he talks about how many older Americans, especially in Florida, because if they would go to their retire, get trapped in these conservatorships. But it was kind of a cool conversation because I don't think for many people until Britney Spears came along that they had really thought that long and hard about what a conservatorship was who gets trapped in them, what does it mean for their livelihood. But I learned a lot after this, you know, and I, I went into it thinking to myself, I wonder why, you know, he supports this. And so it's fun to have a conversation like that where you're like, OK,
0: I just learned something. You know, it seems that so many people who are are hosting programs probably come up through the world of journalism. Obviously, you took a different path yeah. to get there. How do you how would how has that shaped your vision for the show and uh, what you're trying to do for the audience? So
2: I, I think that's I'm, I'm glad you highlighted that because it's interesting. If you if you're a journalist, you go through your school and you you know kind of work your way up. I come to this show. This is a political show, right? It's pop culture, politics, politics. Um, I've worked on Capitol Hill for 10 members of Congress. I worked in the White House, the RNC for six years, 22 years in the military. So I, I, I can walk into a discussion knowing how something should work. Now, I can ask you the tactics on why you guys are doing this or that if you're a member of Congress or a senator. But I don't have to to guess. And I can push back on a guess and say, "That's well, that's unfortunately not how it's used to work or it's changed this way or wouldn't – didn't you think that way? So I think we have a much more informed discussion because I've been in those arenas. I know what it's like to be on Capitol Hill. I know what it's like to be in a campaign. I know what it's like to be in the White House. So when somebody says, well, the White House could do X, I could say, actually, they can't because they're prohibited. Here's why. Or they should be doing more. Um, and I think that that creates a much more informed conversation and a discussion with with that the viewer gets to
0: partake in. I agree. I think people appreciate the different perspective. Right. Now, I have a question for you, though. Do you... Uh, You made the White House press briefings must see TV. I mean, there were so many people who tuned in daily. Do you miss that world at all? No.
2: Okay. Um, And I'll tell you why. It's like, um, it's like when you're running a race and then you stop for a while. Like you're like, okay. Like I, we were going so fast every day. The intensity, the scrutiny. Um, I had. You know, Rob, I I I was on Capitol Hill as I mentioned for a long time. I was at the RNC for six years. I think I did 500 plus media interviews, and and the closest I ever got to being recognized was in the sweater section of a Joseph A. Banks in Alexandria, and that changed real quick when I joined the White House. And 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 I I I, th- I think it's easy to talk to somebody in in theory about what that was like, but until you've experienced getting you know chased out of stores and had people in front of your house, and it's just not. Something that I'd want to put myself and my family through again. Um, I loved being able to serve. It was a dream come true. Um, It wasn't exactly how I wanted everything to go down at the end. In terms of, like, I I would have loved to have stayed a year. That would have that was my sort of my plan. But at the end of the day, that's not how the world works. You don't get to, you know. I I always say that. I mean, God doesn't let you pick; He chooses for you. Uh, So I was happy I did it, um, and I've been honored and blessed by what I've been able to do since then. But. It's just not. I I think when people enter that world, they you know, especially in this day and age, it's a lot different. Where you're, I always thought you'd be like C-SPAN famous. Like people would be like, "Oh, I saw you on C-SPAN three during that," and it changed real quick. And um, and so for that reason, um, you know, I've told people I'd love to. I'll support you know whoever the nominees, especially if it's President Trump. But um, but I I'll let someone else take the turn. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, Sean, I'll give you the final word. Again, the book is called Radical Nation. It's available wherever books are sold and on Amazon. What do you want readers of the book to, to take away? Why should they get a copy?
2: Well, first of all, you know, as we head into the holiday season, you're going to be sitting around those tables with you know, the crazy left-wing uncle or aunt. Uh, this is a time to sit back and to make sure that you know how to fight and win. Uh, chapter 20 in the book is literally a roadmap for if you're a parent, uh, who's trying to who's worried about your kids? if you're someone who wants to get more engaged in your community, it gives you some things that you can be doing in in your community in your life to make you more informed and and rare. But aside from that, for the next three years, we're going to be dealing with Joe Biden. You better know who these policies and people are that he's pursuing because as I said, if we don't look right now and engage, we are going to end up with a radical nation, which is why the book is called Radical Nation. We have a choice. We have an opportunity. The question is, do we take it? So read it, understand what's at stake, understand who the players are, and be ready to engage and fight back.
0: And what's the best place that they can get a copy? The
2: easiest place, I mean, first of all, you can go to SeanSpicer.com, but you also can go to Newsmax.com backslash 23 or go to Amazon. I don't know why they chose 23, but Newsmax just made it easy. So that literally will link to Amazon. So all those things end up at Amazon. I obviously go to a bookstore, but it's just for people who are like that link is really long. Um. But if you go to seanspicer.com or newsmax.com23 Yeah.
0: Well, we will make sure that we provide a Thank link you. in the show notes. Again, the book is called Radical Nation, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's Dangerous Plan for America. Sean Spicer is the host of Spicer and Company at Newsmax, 6 p.m. nightly. Sean, thanks so much for being with the Daily Cycle. No. Appreciate it, Rob.
1: Are you looking for quick conservative policy solutions to current issues? Sign up for Heritage's weekly newsletter, The Agenda. In The Agenda, you will learn what issues Heritage scholars on Capitol Hill are working on, what position conservatives are taking, and links to our in-depth research. The Agenda also provides information on important events happening here at Heritage that you can watch online, as well as media interviews from our experts. Sign up for The Agenda on Heritage.org today.
0: Thanks for sending us your letters to the editor. Each Monday, we feature our favorites on this show. Virginia, who's up first?
1: In response to Star Parker's commentary, Clarice Thomas's remarks reveal America's true culture war. Mike writes, wow, a true example of what a real God-fearing American looks like. Clarence Thomas talks about eternal truths in such a way that give hope and optimism to those among us who are old enough to remember when these truths were indeed self-evident and accepted as such. No doubt he is the best Supreme Court justice in my 81 years on earth, in my opinion. I wish he would speak to us more often.
0: And in response to Chad Wolf's commentary, My Home and Family Were Targeted by Protesters, This must stop. We received this letter from T.A. Catalio of Washington State. Dear Daily Signal, There clearly has been a complete loss of respect, tolerance, and willingness to listen and understand any political views that may differ from one's own. Any demonstrations in front of private homes, disruptions of family dinners and restaurants, and harassment of spouses and children absolutely should be off-limits in expressing personal views. This type of behavior is not a constitutional right of free speech. It is bullying, pure and simple, and is against the law. Such demonstrations must be dealt with by law enforcement for what they are. Harassment, assault, disruption of public services, disturbing the peace, etc. It's far past time to deal with the bullies of our day.
1: Your letter could be featured on next week's show, so send us an email at letters at dailysignal.com.
3: My name is Claire Marker.
0: I'm Jonathan Ski.
3: And I'm Natasha Truniawski. And, and we're, we're interns, interns at the Heritage, heritage Foundation. Foundation. The Heritage Foundation Young Leaders Intern Program gives college students and recent graduates the opportunity to work for America's leading conservative think tank. Intern opportunities span from research and writing to filming and editing videos, creating social media content, organizing heritage events, and much, much more. I'm Paloma Cohn. And this semester, I'm interning in Heritage's communication department. And every day I get hands on experience in audio and video editing. Every Heritage intern has the opportunity to participate in weekly first principal seminars and policy briefings. You will hear from leading experts on the big issues facing America today. The Heritage Foundation offers housing for all interns right in the center of Washington, DC. And the best part, it's a paid internship. So if you want to apply for next semester's program, visit heritage.org. Click on About Heritage at the top of the page and then click Careers. You'll find the link for the Young Leaders program there with all the instructions on how you can apply today.
0: Virginia, you have a good news story to share with us today. Over to
1: you. Thanks so much, Rob. Today's good news story takes us over to Washington State. To the homes of best friends Aletha Cusick and Phyllis Zielinski, Eric Johnson of KOMO News recently shared their story, pointing out good friends empower us to face almost any challenge life throws our way. Aletha and Phyllis have been friends since the 1940s. Alitha married Phyllis's brother, Daryl, and shortly thereafter, Phyllis also got married. Then both their husbands were called away to fight in World War II. The two women moved from their small town of Wenatchee, Washington, to Seattle, where they got an apartment together and began to help with the war effort. Phyllis worked as a Rosie the Riveter building airplanes for Boeing, and Aletha drew drafts of experimental planes. We were uh, uh, really uh, small-town girls over in a big city in Seattle. After the war, both their husbands returned and the families moved back to their hometown of Wenathie and started having children. They built homes side by side and even started their own business together, a tennis club. As the years passed, the two women continued to grow in friendship. She's my sister now, and uh, we get along like sisters do. Yeah. (laughs) She is Desperate to have a sister, so <laughs> I was a fill No, that's not what I meant. Phyllis and Aletha's husbands both passed away in the early 2000s, but the women still live next door to one another. Nearly every day, they visit each other to reminisce and to laugh. So, you know, my four things that I do, why I live so long, bread, butter,
2: bacon, and blueberries, I had bread, butter and bacon yesterday and the blueberries
1: today. Mine is always uh, well, you cherry know. Oats and orange juice. <laughs> the pair have been friends for over 80 years now. Phyllis is 98 years old and Aletha just turned 100. The pair are such a beautiful reminder of why friends are such a gift and what truly matters in life
0: oh what a great story virginia thank you it's so refreshing to hear stories like this particularly in a community like that where you know they all these years they've been together it's amazing
1: it's really special
0: well we're going to leave it there for today you can find the daily signal podcast on the ricochet audio network all of our shows are available at dailysignal.com slash podcasts
1: you can also subscribe on apple podcast google play or your favorite podcast app And be sure to listen every weekday by adding the Daily Signal podcast as part of your Alexa flash briefing.
0: If you like what you hear, please leave us a review and a five-star rating. It means a lot to us and helps us spread the word to other listeners.
1: Be sure to follow us on Twitter at DailySignal and Facebook.com slash The Daily Signal News.
0: Have a great week. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Rob Bluey and Virginia Allen. Sound designed by
1: Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.